We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. From KMOX Sports. The bases are loaded. This is the Meyer Jensen Sports Open Line. Swing it along with the left. Meyer Jensen, a personal injury law firm. Because sometimes the gloves have to come off. MeyerJensen.com. He hits one deep to left field. You bet. That's a grand slam for Yadier Molina. It's a slammer. This is Sports Open Line on KMOX. A very good Thursday evening to you. Welcome into the program. My name is Matt Pauley. Happy for the next two hours. We have a full show tonight taking you till 8 o'clock. As always, if you want to chime in, you can do so. The phone number to call, the phone number to text, the same number, 314-436-7900, 314-436-7900. Or you can uh, tweet at me, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. Uh, the Major League Baseball postseason game for the night, it has not yet gotten started. It is going to start at 637. So we are, what, uh, doing math, 18 minutes away? Is that right? No, uh, 28 minutes away from the uh, first pitch tonight between the Yankees and the Astros. Houston leads that series one game to none. Uh, coming up on the program tonight, a lot of baseball this hour. Uh, Joe Sheehan and also uh, Jay Jaffe are going to uh, join us. We'll talk all things baseball with uh, those guys. Joe at 620, Jay at 635. We'll do more uh, Blues and Mizzou coming up in the second hour of the show. Last night, the Blues pick up a win in overtime over Seattle. I mentioned this on Twitter. so I, I didn't know uh, on the ESPN.com like box score page from a game, it shows what the three stars were from the game. And I didn't know if they actually take the three stars, uh, the true three stars from the game as they're announced after the game, or if they just have some sort of algorithm and it's the ESPN three stars. I was I was hoping for that. I was hoping for that because last night it was pretty obvious who your first star was going to be as uh, you get a, a couple uh, goals uh, scored, including the game winner in overtime from Justin Falk. That was, he was easily the first star. But to me, the Blues win, the second star should have probably been a guy who came up with three assists last night, including an assist on the game winner in Vladimir Tarasenko. But no, the Seattle media chose two Seattle players for stars two and three, a couple guys who had a goal each when uh, the Blues ended up winning that game. So controversy brewing. I just, yeah, I just thought it was an algorithm, and that was something that was just exclusive, exclusive to like ESPN. I couldn't believe what I was seeing, and then I tweeted that out, and some people did correct me, saying, "Nope, that was it. That was the three stars from last night's game, and that is a bad job by the people in Seattle covering the game last night, but certainly not the end of the world." I was thinking about this today. 
I think one of the big problems right now in baseball, and I'm not saying anything that hasn't been said a million times over. One of the big problems right now in baseball is there's just too many teams that are okay losing. There's just too many teams that are not committed to winning. And I looked at the National League today, and I thought about the teams that were in the playoffs. And again, I'm not to just continue to harp on the same thing day after day after day after day after day. But what I was thinking about today is the fact that we have seen what word I'm about to use, random. We've seen this random postseason. And as we've seen this random postseason, I've thought to myself that in the National League, basically the teams that tried to win got into the playoffs and everybody else didn't. Maybe the only exception I don't think San Francisco went into it kind of in a tank year. I don't think they did a whole lot to try to make themselves better. But I think they looked at what they did last year and thought they could just kind of run it back with largely the same group. So they didn't, they didn't like actively try to lose. But the Diamondbacks didn't do anything to try to win. The Rockies didn't do anything to try to win. We know in the Central, the Cubs, Pirates, and Reds didn't do anything to try to win. The Marlins didn't do anything to try to win. The Nationals didn't do anything to try to win. The Brewers were trying to win, and then all of a sudden, as they came up on the trade deadline, they made the decision that dropping Josh Hader's 2023 salary was more important than winning games in 2022, so they stopped trying to win. The The only teams that tried to actually win this year in the National League are the teams that got into the playoffs. And why that's notable and why I was thinking about that when thinking about the the random nature of this year's postseason, especially on the National League side of things, is if you've got a handful of free agents last offseason and you only have a handful of teams that are going to try to win, then there's there's less teams that are going to sign free agents. Same thing at the trade deadline. If you've only got a few teams that are really worried about winning – well, then you've only got a few teams that are going to go try to really improve themselves at the deadline. So when you have more talent dispersed among less teams, all of a sudden the difference from the first best team to the second best team to the third best team to the fourth best team, it's just that the difference isn't there. So the the Phillies are good. The Padres are good. They're, they're very good baseball teams. Maybe they had some struggles in the regular season for whatever reason, but those are legitimately good baseball teams, and we're seeing them win games. And the Cardinals are good, and the Braves are good, and the Mets are good, and the Dodgers are good. Like These are, these are good teams because they tried to be good. So this year, you had a lot of teams that didn't try to be good, and none of them are in the playoffs, and you had a bunch of teams that did try to be good, and the the talent that was out there to be had, is at least from a National League standpoint, uh, they all go to those teams. And I think that kind of even things out a little bit more. If if you've got a lot of teams that are like legitimately trying to win baseball games, a lot of teams that are legitimately trying to go out there and maybe make it into the playoffs, then that's going to take some of the talent away from some of these other teams. So that's That's been one of my takeaways. That's just an insight into Matt Pauley. I was literally just kind of like in a daze, just thinking about baseball yesterday. And that's, that's what I was thinking about. Just how the, the lack of teams trying to compete has resulted in there being the, the national league being so top heavy 
where all the playoff teams are really, really good teams. As mentioned uh, this hour, a couple baseball conversations. Uh, Joe Sheehan and Jay Jaffe. Joe Sheehan of the Joe Sheehan Baseball Newsletter. Jay Jaffe from Fangraphs. They're going to join us uh, in the next two segments, respectively. If you want to join us, 314-436-7900. We'll have time for calls, texts, and tweets later on in the program. It's Sports Open Line. My name is Matt Pauley, and this is KMOX. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Your home of the Cardinals. Arnado swings and hits it deep to left field. That ball is out of here. The Billikens. Jumper. Yes! Billikens win! The Chiefs. Touchdown! Kansas City! We are America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Sports Open Line does continue here on KMOX. Just one baseball playoff game tonight. Yankees and Astros. Houston leads the series 1-0. Yesterday, the Phillies and Padres, that series gets even 1-1 when the uh, Padres were able to pick up an 8-5 victory. Very happy to uh, bring into the program right now Joe Sheehan of the Joe Sheehan Baseball Newsletter. You can get uh, all the details you want on that uh, by following him on Twitter at Joe underscore S-H-E-E-H-A-N. Joe, thanks so much uh, for your time. How are you? Good, Matt. Just uh, waiting for tonight's game to get started. Yeah, so uh, you've got you were in St. Louis uh, towards the end of the season. You've got a great uh, picture of Bush Stadium as your uh, Twitter uh, profile uh, ban- uh, header. That's uh, that's quite the view. It really was. I was actually I uh, met a couple people before the game, and I just got into my seat when I saw that. It was like six thirty or so local time, and just phenomenal shot I was able to get. Really enjoyed. It was a very quick trip into St. Louis, my first ever. But I just I love going to the to the games and uh, had a pretty good meal out with the. Can I say Bernie Nicholas on your air? Yeah, you can do that. Going to get me in trouble? No, that's fine. Bernie's a friend, and uh, it was a very quick trip, but, man, it was a fantastic one. Bernie's a former Camelaxer, still writes with us, scoops with Danny Mac. So, uh, yeah, you can can say his name all you want. Bernie Nicholas. Bernie Nicholas. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I've I've asked this question to about 9 million people over the last two weeks, so I'm going to ask you as well. What do you make of just uh, – 
the baseball playoffs are always random, but my goodness, does it seem even more so, especially on the National League side of things this year? Well, I think where people are reacting to are, I mean, yeah, we get these results every year, right? The lower-seeded team beats the higher-seeded team. It's been going on since 1906. The gaps this year, I think, really is what people are reacting to. You had a situation where the Braves finished 14 games ahead of the Phillies, and the Phillies won three out of four, and the regular season just didn't really matter. You go to the National League West, and you know the Dodgers finished 22 games ahead of the, Pod- the Padres. The Padres won three out of four, and that didn't matter either. So when you ex- continue to expand the playoffs, you let lower, you, you let less accomplished teams in. There's that's the only thing we know will happen. We don't know if it'll create pennant races or it won't. We don't know if it'll create interest, but we know we lower the lower the bar for entry. So you had this extreme case this year where two teams that Phyllis finished well out of the race behind the two best teams in the league pick them off. I think that's what we're reacting to. And it's just, it's an extreme example, but it's also been part of the system for a long time. It's a tiny sample size just looking at this year. It does happen, but it, just the extreme nature this year in the, in the National League side of things. Is it good for baseball in the sense that upsets are, are kind of fun, or is it bad for baseball in the sense that a great team like the Dodgers doesn't doesn't advance? It's a mixed bag. I mean, and baseball's made this choice going back to 1994 uh, when it first said, hey, we're going to expand the playoffs to eight teams. Baseball's made the decision that they are more concerned with getting more playoff series, more fodder for television, get that television revenue. And if there's a cost to the quality of the playoffs, the quality of teams that advance in the playoffs, they're willing to pay that cost. Um, And of course, yes, every few years we'll have a truly great team get picked off, but MLB has decided that they're fine with it. I, you know, I'm somebody who would like to see the regular season success better rewarded, especially because fans tend to react so strongly to these playoff series. You've got Dodger fans just absolutely losing their minds. The best team in baseball, but they lost three out of four at a bad time. I I think there's a division between people who kind of recognize that the the postseason for what it is, it's a fun tournament, versus the people who kind of have this idea that, well, you know, you should rise up and play your best in the clutch. And that's just not the way baseball is. You know, in, in the NFL, in the NBA, the better team tends to win you know, individual games or short series. Whereas in baseball, it's just not that way. The, the the difference between the Dodgers and the Padres over 162 games is a lot. The difference between the Dodgers and the Padres over five games is basically nothing. All right, so my thought on this, and I'm going to ask you to tell me why I'm wrong. My thought on this is the easiest way to fix this if it's a problem, if it does need to be fixed, is extend series out and do that by getting rid of off days where maybe in seven-game series you only have one off day, five-game series you don't have any off days, the schedule more uh, reflects what it looks like in the in the regular season, so teams that are successful in the regular season have a better chance of being successful in the postseason. You do all that, you can maybe change one five-game series into a seven-game series and kind of go from there. Am I right or am I wrong on that idea? In terms of determining, in terms of getting the better team an advantage or making it more likely that the better team will win, there's just functionally no difference between a best of one, a best of three, a best of five, a best of seven. Like on the margins, you're just not increasing the chance the better team will win. I do like the idea of eliminating off days, but as a practical matter, it's hard to do. The way it sets up this year, MLB kind of caught a break. Like the Phillies and Padres are going to have to fly cross country and play on consecutive days but they'll be able to play a day game in Philly and then fly West. There's not a situation this year where teams have to play like an evening game on the West coast 
and then an even game on the East Coast. But if you play without travel days, that increases the chance that that will happen. You also have no flexibility in the schedule for weather delays. Um, now, again, we're, we're in San Diego, we're in Houston, that's a dome. But eventually, if you have no travel days, you're going to get hosed by a rainout or two. So there's some risk when you don't build in any uh, flex. And the reason they did it this year isn't to make the competition better. They did it because they're trying to make up the days they lost mm-hmm. at the start of the season to the lockout. Joe Sheehan from the uh, Joe Sheehan Baseball Newsletter continuing to join us, Sports Open Line on KMOX. Cardinals fans still reeling about the the two-game sweep by the Philadelphia Phillies. The Phillies, even with the Padres, they're playing some good baseball. Obviously, they've got some big bats in the middle of the order. Uh, They've got a couple of of top-of-the-order pitchers and uh, Nola and Wheeler who, who have done a nice job. How much are you buying this Phillies team continuing their playoff run and maybe winning this series against the Padres? You know, any team that's good enough to get into the tournament is good enough to win the tournament. I mean, we go back to 2014 when the World Series was contested between two wildcard teams. The the Miami Marlins have two championships, and they never won a division title. So, yeah, if you're good enough to get into the tournament, you're good enough to win. There's nothing stopping the Phillies from beating the Padres. Now, I picked the Padres in six, but it wasn't with a whole lot of conviction. I think the most likely scenario is we get a long series here, and it's a very closely fought thing. Uh, very similar teams in my eyes. Uh, two, you know, they, they had the strong guys at the front of the rotation, Nola and Wheeler for the Phillies, Musgrove, Snell, and Darvish for the Padres. Um, not, a, not great offenses, but just good enough, falling off a little bit at the end. The Phillies, the big difference is going to be the Phillies' defense is not very good. And the Padres have all those arms at the back end of the bullpen, Robert Suarez and Luis Garcia and Josh Hader. So, again, two closely matched teams. But could the Phillies you know, pick this off in six or seven and go on to take, you know, win five out of uh, – should be four out of seven from the Astros? Yes, it's not likely. But, again, it's not like in the NBA, if the sixth seed won the NBA championship – leaving, you know, strike shortened seasons, lockout seasons aside. In a, re- in a real season, if the sixth seed won the NBA championship, it would be the craziest thing in the world. If a sixth seed does it in baseball, it just isn't that big. It just isn't that unexpected. I'm always I'm always sensitive to the fact that, like, when, when I'm talking about things like this, I sound like I'm almost poo-pooing the sport of baseball. And I love baseball. I love the baseball playoffs. Like, that's not what I'm trying to come across. So when we, when we kind of reverse it out, we can look at some of these really cool stories and Another one with a St. Louis connection is Harrison Bader, who, uh, when he did play this year, did not have a whole lot of offensive success, didn't have a whole lot of pop off the bat. Obviously, he was part of that trade, didn't play a lot, was injured, and now he's having just a profound impact on the Yankees, specifically to Bader, but also from a bigger picture. How much just do you enjoy those type of stories that we do see in the playoffs every year? That's fantastic. I mean, you you got a situation where, a uh, player who you know, would be eliminated by now. And that trade, there was a lot of grief about that trade here in New York. People were very angry, trading Montgomery, who'd been pitching very well for the team for a couple of years. Um, it was a, there was a perception the Yankees didn't have enough starting pitching. Bader, of course, wasn't going to be able to play for six or seven weeks with the, with the injury. So there was a lot of frustration here. And, of course, now that Bader hits a home run every day, everybody, everybody <laughs> who you know, d- didn't like that trade in July is now saying, oh, no, I always loved Harrison Bader. Personally, I have always loved Harrison Bader. Um, I, I, I plus defensive center fielders are one of my favorite categories of player. And while he's never been a great hitter, he, I think he's in a better one typically than his perceived big platoon splits and big home road, home road splits as well. I think he's going to be an incredibly popular player here in New York next year. You know, 
he's popular now because of the playoff performance. But I think given a full season to watch him, he's going to be one of the one of the city's favorite players. A lot of Cardinals fans are kind of rooting for the Yankees because of him and because of Matt Carpenter. Now Carpenter has not been performing in the postseason the way he was uh, when he first got to the team. But from a Yankees perspective, that was obviously another very good story this year. Yeah, I mean, the, the Rangers actually cut him. The Rangers yeah. had him in camp and sent him to the minors and decided in May, yeah, you know, we don't need the guy who's going to slug 700 the rest of the year. And, you know, credit Carpenter for all the changes he made, kind of modernizing his approach in the swing to turn him into this power hitter. And, of course, landing in a ballpark that really rewards that type of hitting. Uh, and really the shame, the broken foot in the midseason. The Yankees had this incredible split with him in the lineup. And now when he starts, they score almost seven runs a game. And when he doesn't start, they score about four and a half, which, of course, is still pretty good. But you saw them miss him terribly in the second half of the season. Aaron Judge was the only guy who hit for that team in the last couple of months. So Carpenter back in this lineup, you know, Lathan's a lineup that really is pretty thin and is an important guy for these playoffs. He doesn't look himself right now, whether that's the injury, whether that's the rust, it's hard to say. But if he can get things going, it's an essential piece of the Yankees beating the Astros. Joe, give a plug for your newsletter and how uh, folks can uh, subscribe. Uh, obviously, great content uh, coming out uh, all the time from you. Yeah, JoeShean.com is the place to get the information. There's actually a free piece up there today. I proposed crazy idea of turning the baseball playoffs into single elimination last winter. I posted that today. But you've got playoff previews, excerpts from all my stuff. It is a subscription-based newsletter. It's been running now for about 13 years, so I've been doing this for a while. I love writing about the game. Um, and I just, I'm very fortunate to be able to do it. So joshian.com is where you can get up more information. Is there a daily baseball newsletter that has been consistently running longer than your, like Craig Calcaterra has one, but I think he started his after he left NBC. Like, I'm just trying to think about all the baseball newsletters. I don't know if one, you, you, you've, you've probably got the longest tenured one, right? I, yeah, I think so. I mean, I'm not daily. I'm you know, five times a week whenever I write, but um, I, yeah, Craig's been doing his, Craig actually is literally a daily one Monday to Friday. You go back to the 2000s, you had Will Carroll doing his Under the Knife newsletter. So there have been other ones out there. But I think if you, yeah, yeah probably the longest running one out there. Because nobody else would be crazy enough to take on a job like this. So. <laughs> All right, Joe, thanks so much for your time. Hopefully we can catch up again uh, in the future. Thanks, Matt. Take care. All right, very good. There's uh, Joe Sheehan of the Joe Sheehan Baseball Newsletter joining us, and we appreciate his uh, time with us. All right, we're going uh, back-to-back interviews uh, all about baseball here in this first hour of the show. Uh, Jay Jaffe covers baseball for uh, Fangraphs. Great information from him. He created a statistic. I like talking to people who create statistics. We'll talk with uh, Jay Jaffe. He joins us next. Sports Open Line here on KMOX. Welcome back to the Meyer Jensen Sports Open Line. Swing it along with the left. That's a grand slam for Yannier Molina. You bet. This is Sports Open Line on KMOX. We do continue on here on a Thursday night, uh, keeping you updated on what's going on in the baseball playoffs. They are just getting underway in Houston. Astros and Yankees moments away from first pitch from Valdez against Luis Severino, the pitching matchup tonight. Right now, we're very happy to uh, go back to uh, the guest line. We're going to bring in uh, a guy who uh, is part of the team at uh, Fangraphs, a senior writer. He is Jay Jaffe. You can follow him on Twitter at J underscore J-A-F-F-E. Jay, thanks so much uh, for your time. How are you? 
Hey, I'm good. How you doing? I'm doing all right. Um, let's start with this because the Gold Glove uh, finalists were announced today. Uh, Nolan Arnato, in all likelihood, will indeed win another Gold Glove. Uh, but the Cardinals have uh, Paul Goldschmidt, and they've got uh, Tommy Edmond uh, in there as well. Um, do you, do you expect to see anybody other than Nolan Arnato from the Cardinals maybe win a Gold Glove this year? Um. You know, Manny Machado's in the same league, and, you know, literally and figuratively, uh, both of those guys are just absolutely outstanding fielders, and I love watching each of them play. Um, you know, looking looking at the metrics, um, you know, I think it's – it's uh, uh, I haven't – like, I, I don't have access to them right now, but yeah. I, I suspect that Arenado had, had better numbers than, than Machado does, uh, does but uh, – um, you know, coaches vote too, and uh, that ha- that can have an impact. So, um, you know, I, I, I would be surprised uh, if, if somebody decides either of those two guys wins, but I wouldn't be bowled over uh, if just, you know, if it's one, if not the, but not the other. I think, uh, yeah, okay, now I've got the numbers up. Um, Aronado did have superior numbers in, in the categories that I think are used in the, uh, um, the, uh, metric portion of it. So I suspect that that's going to give him a leg up. This process to me seems flawed. Like I just look at Christian Yelich being one of the finalists in, in left field and Yelich at one point in his career was a really good fielder, but he's, he's not anymore. And maybe we look at his arm more than anything else. And I, I don't know how much they're looking, you know, throwing versus fielding. Is that all included in it? But just, you look at some of these sometimes and you feel like, how, how did they come up with these three guys? Yeah, uh, you know, it's again. There's there's a there, there's largely a subjective element, and it's uh, the votes from coaches who maybe you know who who maybe uh, see guys only a handful of times a year and aren't necessarily looking at the metrics and the metrics themselves. You know, there's there's like I think four of them that are incorporated into the formula and accounts for 25 percent. And even those metrics, you know, they don't always uh, uh, agree with each other. Um, it just shows you how hard it is to really capture. Uh, and quantify fielding. It takes a larger sample than just a season uh, for the metrics to really give you uh, more signal uh, or enough signal to be really reliable. And that's that, that, that's part of the challenge of this. There's been all kinds of just great stories this year in, in the postseason, whether it's teams that were not expected to advance, advancing. There's been great individual stories in there. Has there been any particular moment, any particular narrative or storyline that has especially gotten your attention this year? Oh geez, I mean, you know, during the regular season, the the Dodgers' uh, pursuit of of uh, you know uh, such a high win total was great. The Padres remaking themselves uh, at the deadline to to go all in with with Juan Soto uh, has been great, and and uh, um, you know what the Mariners did was fantastic. I mean, I love uh, watching Julio Rodriguez play and uh, bringing a playoff uh, berth back to Seattle for the first time since 2001, I think was, was really special. Uh, there's so many of them. I mean, you know, watching Shohei Otani prove that last year wasn't a fluke. Uh, we could go on and on. There's a lot of storylines here. The Cardinals fans continue to watch the Phillies and, and see what they're going to do after uh, the, it was the Phillies who knocked the, the Cardinals out. The Phillies have been maybe the biggest surprise just because they were the last team to get in and they were a team that wasn't even, they didn't surge to get into the playoffs. It just happened that they played just a little bit better than the Brewers and that was enough for them to get that final playoff spot. But at the same time, they've got a very talented group. They've got two very good starting pitchers. They've got some good hitters in the lineup as well. What's kind of your belief 
position right now when it comes to the Philadelphia Phillies? Yeah, look, I think the Phillies were always a very talented team that was uh, underachieving for years. Um, I, you know, I think we expected them to be uh, in the playoffs uh, the last couple of years, or you know, at least have a, g- a good shot at it, and they fell short. Um, you know, they fired Joe Girardi at the end of May. Uh, they were the fourth best team in the league after that. Um, I'm not surprised that they're here. I, I was surprised that they were struggling so much. There's just a lot of talent on that team. They did deal with a lot of injuries. They've got a lot of rookies in the mix. Um, you know, it's a it's a it's a pretty entertaining series. I mean, it's you know, I expected uh, that we would see, uh, you know, probably the Dodgers and 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 uh, uh, you know in the series in one form or another, but that's not the case. Um, seeing two upstart teams like this uh, should, you know, it, it's been pretty fun so far, and I expect it'll continue to be fun. I don't know if this next question is going to make any sense whatsoever, so you can just tell me I'm an idiot <laughs> if you if you want to after I get done with it. But I've been thinking about this, and because you're you're part of FanGraphs, I think you're the perfect person to ask this. Baseball quantifies everything that they possibly can, but at the same time, baseball's this everyday sport where being in the clubhouse and having good culture and chemistry and having a manager that doesn't wear on you is, is there any, um, is there any movement? Like, do you see teams trying to find a way to kind of quantify this off field stuff where all of a sudden they, they can use those type they, they can evaluate that in some sort of numerical way because we look at the Phillies and we see the managerial change and boom, that was something that obviously helped them out in a big way. Uh, I, I don't think a number is going to be what you're going to use to 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 uh, to integrate that into your decision making. I think it just you, you have to acknowledge that it's not necessarily a number, you know, something you can put a number on. Um, but it, it certainly does matter, uh, and I think we need to be careful about about uh, you know attempts to try to reduce it to just a simple formula. Um, you know, a, a a I think. You know, in a lot of ways, you know, clubhouse chemistry is, um, you know, is what comes from a team that has won uh, and continues to win, and it, it, it helps. Um, but there are certain, certainly, we've seen time and again, you know, whether it's a, you know, the right manager the, and, and right mix of coaches, or certain what you know, glue guys, guys that are able to to bring together uh, people from disparate backgrounds that kind of you know, get them all to buy into a team mentality. Those things are important. And it probably has more to do with with um, understanding the psychology uh, of, of the players than it does, um, you know, just a simple number. Something else that we're going to be watching moving forward is just how the expanded playoff really impacts things. And the two things are, more teams being in the playoffs, so you're going to see more teams really fighting down the stretch of the season to get in, and then this idea of the top two seeds getting a few days off, and and whether that's a, a good thing or a bad thing, it's it's first year of it, tiny sample size, way too early to make any sort of broad statements about it. But has anything as a direct result maybe of this expanded playoff has anything really uh, that you've taken notice of or uh, stood out to you? A few things. First of all, I think the end of the regular season was kind of a dud in that regard. I mean, each each league had exactly one other contender that was, um, you know, I think tr- scrambling to try to get in, but 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 fell short, like the Brewers and the Orioles. Um, you know, there just aren't that many, you know, really good playoff caliber teams. 
Um, we lost uh, the ability to have tiebreaker games, uh, which I think adds to some end-of-season excitement, what I call team entropy. Um, those game 163 play-ins uh, are a lot of fun. I, I, I miss the, the one-and-done wildcard game. I think that the, uh, the move to this best-of-three gives the two teams that have buys, I think it, 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 it does – it, you know, it, it's supposed to help them. I'm not sure that it thoroughly does. I mean, it allows guys to heal, but it also, you know, there's a bit of a rust factor there that I that I think uh, we need to be wary of. I mean, five of the five of the uh, um, eight lower seeds uh, won uh, their their rounds here in all. Um, I, you know, I think that I think that the um, uh, the field needs to be reseeded after the first round. Um, you know, to, to reward uh, the teams that were the top. They got the buy already, but they also should be playing the weakest opponents, um, you know, as, as the uh, uh, next series moves on. So uh, I think there's room for improvement here. Um, you know, that's not to say that, that uh, um, you know, it's, that it's illegitimate if something like the uh, Padres knock off the Dodgers. I mean, in a short series, anything can happen. We've been seeing that, you know, for over a century. So, um, you know, I don't think that's uh, where you know why there should be some you know outcry or concern about this new format. It's uh, that's that's postseason baseball. Best of three, best of five, even best of seven isn't always going to give you um, the, the the most talented team winning. It's going to be the hottest team. He is Jay Jaffe. You follow him at J underscore J A F F E. Senior writer with Fangraphs. Jay, great stuff. I uh, really appreciate you taking a few moments with us today. Great. Thanks a lot. All right, there's Jay Jaffe joining us here on Sports Open Line. I asked him that question about quantifying the off-field stuff. I had a, a baseball GM actually tell me once, that, like those were conversations that were being had inside of their office that they're trying to figure out a way to quantify some of those off-field type things. And I don't know how you do it. Like it sounds, it sounds like a really stupid question. That's why when I asked, I'm like, well, am I really going to ask this because I sound dumb? Uh, but I had a baseball GM once say that they they were actively working to try to figure out a way to quantify the impact of a clubhouse where people like each other and a, a manager that's a player's manager and things like that. And I, I don't think you really can, but who knows? In baseball, again, you quantify just about everything. All right, we'll take a break and uh, continue on. We are with you till 8 o'clock tonight. It's Sports Open Line. More in a moment here on KMOX. News Radio KMOX, the home of the Cardinals. Continuing on here on a Thursday evening, they are underway in Houston. Yankees, Astros, no score. Bottom of the first inning. Bottom of the first inning? Yeah, bottom of the first inning. I missed, I, I blinked and I missed the uh, the top of the first inning when we were talking with uh, Jay Jaffe. Talk, uh, we're going to switch gears for a moment. A little bit of news when it comes to the college football playoff. Uh, right now, as it sits, they are going to expand the college football playoff to 12 teams. Uh, for the 2026 season. However, there is still a possibility that they could change it for 2024. So the College Football Playoff Management Committee had a closed-door meeting earlier today in Dallas. They're still trying to work through all the logistical issues that go along with expanding the playoff two years before the current college football playoff contract ends. So first off, the the semifinals and the finals, everything that ESPN already has, 
they would have them, but then all of a sudden there's more TV inventory. The other thing that's weird about this, so, and I'm I'm torn on this. I'm and this is gonna sound really weird uh, when I say it out loud because obviously, obviously, you would much rather be in the college football playoff than playing in the Liberty Bowl, right? Like that's no matter what the bowl experience might be playing a game uh, in a bowl game that kind of doesn't matter. And most bowl games don't matter. And most bowl games are made for TV productions. And not that I'm, I like the bowl system to be perfectly. I like all those games being played. I like these unnatural matchups that you don't see very often. I like the fact that these student athletes uh, get the opportunity to go do something. That's a pretty cool thing to do for them. So a lot of times we talk in terms of, should we have the expanded playoff or should we keep the bowl system intact? For me, have as many bowls as you want. Put as many teams in them as you want. The idea is not for these things to be this super competitive, amazing thing. The idea is for them just to be something that's on TV and something that's fun for fans to be able to go to and something that's enjoyable for the student athletes and the coaches to be able to uh, take part in as well. But... um the way the expanded college football playoff is going to work is the first round is going to be played at home sites. So you're going to have a handful of teams that get a first round bye, and then I guess the top four teams are going to get the bye, and then the next four teams are going to host the bottom four teams uh, in that first round. If you are a team and you go play on the road, and then you're, you you lose and your season's over. Do you really feel like you've had the college football postseason experience? I don't know if you do. I don't know if you do. And that's the only thing that I kind of lament about this. I still wish it could be more of a, the bowl game thing. Now, no team, no team out there is going to say, oh, darn, we're in the college football playoff, but we have to go play this road game and our season came to an end. We would have rather played in the Boca Raton Bowl or the Liberty Bowl or the Cheez-It Bowl. Like, it does, nobody's saying that. But for me, like, I call me, uh, call me a college football romantic if you'd like to. I still like the idea of like the bowl of the bowl game, the events, the stuff that leads up to it, uh, everything you do in the community, the the community like opening up their their arms to you and taking you to an events, like everything that goes along in the bowl game. So it's a little bit of a bummer, but anyways, it's going to happen. Uh, the big question is whether or not they're going to be able to work it out for 2024. That's not too far out. They got to figure out the TV windows and they have to figure out TV windows that don't compete with the NFL. That is challenging as the NFL continues to create more and more and more television windows. And as the NFL has taken the opportunity to play some Saturday games late in the season after the college football regular season comes to an end, finding those TV windows that you're not going to be directly going up against the NFL, uh, that's going to be the first thing that you're really trying to uh, work through. And then obviously from a TV contract standpoint, you're adding all these games but you already have a contract in place. So some of these games are going to go to ESPN. Does ESPN want to have all of them? Or are they going to try to spin out some of those other college football playoff games to other networks? You would think that once this thing really gets started in 2026, that this could be a multi-network sort of thing, and that would be the way to make the uh, most amount of money. But that's kind of the update, that they are still hoping 
the college football playoff management committee is still hoping that they will be able to uh, put together the expanded playoff by uh, 2024. But there is also a very legitimate chance that's not going to be until 2026 that this thing actually goes in, which makes you you sit there from like a, like a common sense perspective and you go, We've already agreed to the twelve-team playoff, and now we got to sit here and watch uh, the you know just the, the much less teams play um, you know for for a few years. It doesn't make a lot of common sense, but from a logistical standpoint, there certainly is a reason for that as well. All right, uh, coming up uh, next hour, we'll get into the Blues. They win again last night. We'll hear some of the post-game comments uh, coming out of the uh, locker room from last night. We'll continue to talk baseball as well. Mizzou football, they've got a big one coming up on Saturday. Good chance for them to win. That's all coming up. It's Sports Open Line. My name is Matt Pauley. Back with more in a few moments after the news here on KMOX. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular-season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.